Hey, Bluntheads, welcome to another edition of the Philly Blunt, a Best of Philly 2020 podcast. Arnetta Johnson started playing the trumpet at age 13 at the Creative and Performing Arts High School in Camden, New Jersey. She earned a scholarship to the prestigious Berklee College of Music in Boston, and she's played the Super Bowl with the... She's played the Super Bowl with Beyonce. She's been named a rising star by NPR. She's a band leader, and she's only 26. Arnetta, the self-proclaimed disruptor of jazz, talks about the meaning behind that name, how a desire to get out of class led her to playing the trumpet, the culture shock of moving to Boston and Berkeley, how a chance encounter at a Philly jazz club helped land her that Super Bowl gig, the pressures of leading a band at such a young age, and the impact social events have had on the music she creates. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Shy Vintage Sports, where you can get your Philly culture and sports gear and where every thread tells a story. Shop at ShyVintageSports.com or at the physical location at 137 South 13th Street in Philadelphia. And Johnville.com, J-A-W-N-V-I-L-L-E.com for the curious rants, ramblings, and observations of a Philly lifer. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all as the Philly Blunt. And tell your friends about what we're doing here with this podcast celebrating Philadelphia and all its interesting folks. Please enjoy this interview with an inspiring young woman with a bright future, Miss Arnetta Johnson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name's Johnny Goodtimes. They call me Greg. <laughs> and that's Reef. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we're off to a good start this week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we are thrilled. We are thrilled to have tonight's guest. She has been on the red carpet at the Grammys. She's played at the Super Bowl. She's been on tour with Beyonce. She's been named an NPR artist to watch. And I believe she is, what, 26 years old? Incredible. Incredible. I'm really excited to be sitting down tonight with trumpeter Arnetta Johnson. Arnetta, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, Thank you all again for having me on your show. You know, I'm really honored to be a part. You know, I'm always, you know, grateful whenever I'm asked. You know, the good interviews. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. I want to start with, uh, you know, let's start from the beginning. And I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, what was it that got you excited about the trumpet? I mean, of all instruments, you know, that, that, what was it about that one that stuck out to you at an early age and where you were like, this is going to be my thing? Or was it something that that's just what you learned? So I used to hide this part of the story whenever people <laughs> ask these questions, but I've I've came to the point where I realized it's actually a, a crucial part of my story. Um, my mother is a music teacher, but she did not force us into music. Uh, so my mother was my music teacher uh, in middle, well, pretty much from pre-K all the way up until eighth grade. But I didn't start playing trumpet until the eighth grade, and uh, that was simply because. I would see my brother walking down the hallway during class and I would ask, how are you always out of class? And it was because he was in band and he would have to go get his lessons. Or so I, was like, I was like, that's the code. I said, I can get out of class. So I signed up for band and originally I wanted to play violin, but they did not have violins at my school. Uh, and all the rhythm section instruments were taken. Um, so it was it was just going to be a horn. It was either saxophone, trombone, or trumpet. Saxophone had too many buttons for me. Um, trombone, 
Yeah, it, it just it just wasn't cutting it. You know, the slide thing, it just it sounded beautiful. It was just the, the one slide wasn't going to do it. But trumpet, I said, this has three buttons. I said, how hard could it be? I said, I'm going to play that. <laughs> Long and behold, I played myself. Trumpet is very difficult. But, um, but yeah, that's how, I, that's how I chose trumpet. And um, at the time, I was, you know, still playing different sports like basketball. But uh, I had a teacher by the name of Hassan Sabri in Camden, and he was like, look, you're either going to be a basketball player or you're going to play trumpet. He said, you got to pick one. So I was like, okay, I'm nice at basketball, but I said, I don't know. I'm a little on the short side, so let me just (laughs) (laughs) trumpet. And I just went went with it on from there, and then I joined this uh, band in Camden called the Little Jazz Giants, and yeah, that's how we went on. And that's nice. how I started playing trumpet. Yeah, do you, are you ever playing the trumpet and being and thinking like, man, I wish I was in the gym shooting hoops right now? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this at this point, not only because not not really only because you know when I when I am taking breaks from recording and and playing all day you know i i created time for like recreational activities like i go to the gym i play basketball with my friends from time to time you know so I, i'm still athletic you know i still, nice. I still have my share of fun what, uh, what position did you play i was point guard surprisingly point. <laughs> surprisingly why you say I, surprisingly <laughs> because i don't think um I'm, i don't i don't think i was point guard material but somehow that's what they made me so yeah, I was I was see, that's why I gave up basketball because I was like I'm I'm nice but I ain't that good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a very very rare thing for someone to admit. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm, I still haven't admitted it. I'm 45. <laughs> I'm so nice, and these other guys just don't get it. They don't understand my game. Uh, <laughs> so, so when you were in high school, I mean, that's two different worlds. You went from you could go jock or basically like band geek i've seen you say you were a band geek. yeah so i mean did I, band geeks or band members get hassled or made fun of nah, or? not 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 at my school i went to an art school so it was pretty you know it was, so, so the even, jocks got, oh, oh got johnny could have played basketball at that school you're saying <laughs> yeah so we didn't even we didn't even really get picked on you know in terms of that aspect um the crazy thing is at at my high school in my opinion it was the band that made the school cool we were the ones always yeah. winning awards. We were the ones always <laughs> traveling. You know, mm-hmm. our faces were the ones making making it known, putting the mm-hmm. putting the city on the map. If you ask me, until um, this day, so right. it wasn't nothing anybody could say about the band program at, at Camden Creative Arts. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, you know, most of us were athletic. You know, we were kids. Most kids were athletic. Like we was doing mm-hmm. stupid stuff. Like we was playing with like hacky sacks and. <laughs> And frisbees and stuff and it was yeah so we was always always still athletic you know outside of band rehearsal we would always play basketball basketball and video games that's all we did so yeah. a lot of people know they, they see the end result of someone like yourself being successful but like with with jazz with any discipline you know they say ten thousand hours did you miss out on a lot because you were constantly traveling, practicing, always in the Absolutely in the... not. I didn't miss out on anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not the story. Yes, you were missing out on everything. You were hours and hours in your room just playing the trumpet. I feel like I feel like I've I've actually 
explore more of the world, given mm-hmm. that I started playing trumpet. Because uh, it just opened so many doors. Um, like, growing up in Camden, you know, people always say dream big. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know how big dreaming big was supposed to be. So my dream big was, oh, let me apply to college. That was it. I mean, it just wasn't a thing. It was like most most high schools you hear of, they're prepping for college once they hit their sophomore year. Nope. At my high school, your senior year, maybe your senior year in like October. Mm-hmm. You might start you might start college prep. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. So and you know, it's just going to college just wasn't a thing. It was just like, okay, get through high school and you cool. So yeah, going to college, that was that was my big deal. Like, cause I went to Berkeley, so I was like, okay. Yeah, and it's a small I, little a small little music program. No yeah, one's you, ever you heard might, of. You, you might you yeah, might have just heard went of to it. Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, no I big mean, no big deal. Yeah. In my head, it was just like, yo, get into this program. Like, that was the biggest deal to me. Like, dreaming big was that, period. Whereas right. you have other people there, like, I want to be this big old this and that and the other. And I'm just like, I want to go to college. Mm-hmm. What was <laughs> so that like was coming like, from Camden? So, I mean, all in all, it was cultural shock to the max. Because um, right. in Camden, uh, you know, I went to school with mostly black people, you know, so when mm-hmm. I went to, to Boston, it was There's a lot of white like people, the, a lot of white guys. Like, these, like these two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, <laughs> I hate to get, you know, and it, it, to be honest, we all know how racist Boston is. Boston was the first place I was called the N-word. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? So it was a lot. Um, mm. But, you know, we still created a family. You know how black people roll. You know, we, mm-hmm. we go and join forces no matter where we are. Um, mm. So, you know, we, we made it work. Uh some other like like minded people there, but mm-hmm. my first semester at Berkeley, you know, given that it was just so wild, um, just that I was in a brand new environment, like that was the first time I was ever somewhere that there wasn't a corner store down the right. street. So that was mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Dag, this is crazy!" Like it was crazy. Um, people probably didn't even realize I was there my first mm-hmm. semester. I was literally in the practice room in the morning, go to the class, get out of class, go eat, back to the practice room until I go to bed. Were you, were you, mm-hmm. in, were you intimidated when you yeah. were there? No, I mean, I, uh, I want to say intimidated. I just knew when I got there, I was just like, I already know I'm not going to be the most notable player at the school. I knew I had to play catch up given that I started at the age of 13. Mm-hmm. So I already knew I had to play catch up, and most of those kids going going to Berkeley were taking private lessons all their lives. Right. I fortunately I grew up across the bridge from Philadelphia, where I had um, different musicians like uh, Daoud, Elbacard, uh Brent White, Alfie mm-hmm. Pilot, uh, Barry Harris uh, would come down, and they would give us lessons from the kindness of their heart because wow. I. I couldn't afford it. I didn't even, you know, so, you know, we had people like this other guy named Buster Williams. Um, So literally it would just be like every maybe month or two might get a lesson. Other than that, I was just using what I was being taught in class and just practicing that over and over. (laughs) So I I realized, you know, I was, you know, now in a pool of uh, 
students that had, you know, great music programs, well-funded music programs with private lessons. So I was like, okay, I already know I'm behind, so no need to even ponder on that. Let me just go practice. Mm-hmm. That's what I did, and yeah. it worked. So did you? Did you? Um, <laughs> did you meet anyone like any of the professors your first semester that kind of like took you under their wing, gave you some guidance? So it was more so my second semester uh, where things pretty much started to pop off. Because when I tell you I wasn't around, I was literally in a practice room. Like I wasn't around. I would literally go to class and go in the practice room. Um, but my second semester, I started to come out more, and I started to go to Wiley's Jazz Cafe up in Boston down the street from Berkeley. Um, but it was crazy because right before I left high school, I had started uh, reaching out to this lady named Tia Fuller, saxophonist, um, you know, just to get some words of advice. And the crazy thing is she started teaching at Berkeley, I believe, my second semester. Yeah, so that's when mm. she when it was crazy because I was walking around and I heard heard the saxophone. And I was like, man, that sound sounds familiar. And so I went to the door and looked in. I was like, oh, that's the <laughs> crazy. I was like, oh, Stash is lit. So I asked her, can I be in her class? You know, so sign up for her class, and then she completely took me under her wing, like a hundred percent. I also had people like Ralph Peterson. Darren Barrett uh, on trumpet I was studying with like and these are all uh black teachers at Berkeley that understood that you know not only am I just a kid asking hey can you guys help me with music like they were understanding like she's going through a transitional phase in her life Mm -hmm. right she ain't got no money (laughs) Mm -hmm. she's really trying her best to be a great player and, you know, she's fighting through other adversities. So, and it's like, so they all, hold, I, had, I had a lot of support um, while at school. Um, so, yeah, it went, it went well mm-hmm. for me. Did you always have a love for jazz or is it something you fell in love with as you learned more about it? Oh, no. I was a kid. See, my brother plays drums, so he would practice in the basement mm-hmm. some records. Mm-hmm. And... It would annoy me. So I was a kid that went downstairs and broke all his records. <laughs> oh, yeah. It definitely happened. I went right down there and snapped some bad boys in half. And, you know, it takes a lot of effort. Holy shit. Yeah, you go down there, you got to strain and crack. And you got my Yeah, yeah. Vinyl, vinyl's not easy to rip. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I tore them things up. But, yeah, so I definitely grew, grew to love it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely grew to love it. Uh. But one of the first albums I got was from uh, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Nice. Um, so that was really killing. Um, but shout out to Nazir Dickerson, Hassan Sabri. We was kids when they had mm. put us on to Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. And it was like my third week learning trumpet, and they had mm. us playing these songs. Mm. I was, First of all, I didn't know what notes I was playing. I, at the time, I was just like, okay, this button makes this sound. Right, right. So that's how I learn how to play trumpet based off of sounds rather than you know notes and things so Mm -hmm. sometimes even to this day sometimes i even uh go back to that like just remembering Mm -hmm. which sounds create like you know it's hard to explain but that's it's it's, it's less it's less it's more about the feeling than it is about the notes right or yeah necessarily Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i literally learned how to just play through sounds i i was i wasn't taught uh 
with theory first, if that makes right. sense. Right. Um, right. Why not? Absolutely. Like they literally threw us on stage. It was like play that song that y'all that y'all was playing in rehearsal last week, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> it was crazy, but very beneficial. Um, because you know we killing a lot of birds with one stone. So not only am I, you know, applying what we were practicing and going over in rehearsal, but I was getting used to being on stage. You know, so that's the thing too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was definitely nerve wracking, um, and it was a well, process. Were, it was very crucial to my playing. You ended up on the biggest stage in the world, basically entertainment wise, a Super Bowl. How'd that come about? Uh, and what so was that, that like? Came about um, while I was at Berkeley. Everything happens for a reason. Um, so this all happened based off of big decisions I made while at Berkeley. Um, so again, I'll tell you how I, how I. Uh, met Tia Fuller and she became a mentor of mine. Uh, so back in high school, I went to her show at the art museum. I studied her because my teacher had told me, my teacher Jamal Dickerson, he said, I want you all to look up people that do what you do. So I looked up African-American female instrumentalists. Tia Fuller came up. She had a show at the art museum, went to her show. I saw that she played with Beyonce. So of course I studied the whole band. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw that uh, Crystal Torres, that was playing trumpet at the time, um, was in the band. And she was from Philadelphia. So in my head, I was like, oh, maybe Crystal Torres would be at Tia Fuller's show in Philly. I don't know what made me think that, because she could have long moved. Um, mm -hmm. So when I went to Tia Fuller's show in Philly, Crystal was there. So mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, I was hyped. I was like, oh, man, I get to meet all these people. So... I met uh, Tia and Crystal Torres for the first time at that show at the Art Museum. Um, and then I had a jazz camp. It was like five days long, and Crystal mm -hmm. Torres was a teacher. So that's mm -hmm. how we met and uh, built our friendship from there. And um, during that time, Tia Fulton was definitely still a mentor of mine. Uh, so throughout Berkeley, you know, I'm still networking with them too. Uh, later down the line, I went to go, I don't know if you all heard of NAM. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it happens in LA every year. So I was flying out to LA and Crystal Torres called. Uh, and she was like, hey, she was like, I'm in between gigs at the moment. I might have to go out with Alejandro Sanz to go Sanz, to do to do a tour. Would you be in LA soon? I was like, I'm actually about to get on the plane to go to LA as we speak. <laughs> Wow. Divine so timing. Divine timing. Divine timing. Can't make this up, man. That's why when people ask me how did I get it, I usually just I just say, you know, God in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. That's literally yeah. I mean can't mm -hmm. I couldn't have planned that. Right. Yeah. So they needed uh another trumpet player and I was on my way there. So that's how Ooh, I had right. <laughs> Now how how did you did you did you happen? Did you guys actually? Did you meet her? Was she was she kind? Is that she looks in the videos and stuff with her? Cause, yeah, cause I always get a good, yeah, I get a I get a good <laughs> vibe from her. Yeah, yeah. Miss Knowles. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we gotta remember, like these are people, you know, mm. like you know they they have elbows too, like elbows, eyes, <laughs> 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 not eyes and ears and hearts, elbows. Yeah, yeah I elbows, love it. You know what I'm saying? Like these these are people. Um, you know, this is the lady who. <laughs> who works hard and cares about her vision and goes hard with her vision. 
and and understands that you know that the people that's around here go hard for their vision as well so just definitely a great individual i learned so much just from watching um no bad vibes you know right. nothing crazy nice. at all so yeah well, i, I well, mean the crazy thing is you know, a lot of people might like leading up to the Super Bowl. Like, when you guys, what's the Corey? Like, I mean, you're getting ready to go out. You know, you're gonna be in front of millions of people, like on TV. See, that's the see, that's great part right there. I didn't know anything. I, before, <laughs> Come before on. That, no, before that, I mean, I've never been in a football stadium before, so I didn't know what it was about to be like to be in the okay. middle of a field. I didn't know how many people were in the crowd. I didn't know what it felt like to really be on a gig like that. Cause I've never played that type of gig before. I'm, again, I've never been in a football stadium. I, yeah. so I, didn't, I didn't, there was nothing for me to know. Somebody asked me was I nervous? And I was like, I'm only nervous about playing my part, nothing else. Cause the only thing I know of is just getting my part out. Other right. than that, there's nothing for me to be nervous about. Cause I don't even know what to expect. <laughs> when does it, when does it sink in? When does the magnitude of it sink in? Oh, it sunk in the second we walked out that tunnel. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, there's 90,000 people in here. We walked out the tunnel, and I was like, oh, this is what it looks like in real life. Because I'm, I'm used to looking at it on TV, you know, yeah. just watching, the, seeing the little people in the crowds. And the thing is, when you look up, everybody's literally this big. Mm. That's like the crazy ants. part. Yeah, and it's just loud cheering. But at the same time, although it's so huge, it feels so small because your group is right there next to you. So it was a lot of first time moments. I mean, that was my first time playing with an art an artist with Beyonce. I mean, right, right. so of course everybody, you know, everybody thinks you're gonna be like, oh my god, I'm with Beyonce. But no, it, it's a lot to process. Like I always tell people, I was a you know, I was a girl from Camden, New Jersey, whose biggest, whose dream big was, oh, I need to go to college. Right. How, how did, how did Camden and your family and everyone, how did they react to that, to the news or seeing you or? Oh yeah, everybody was, everybody was tripping. They were going crazy. Because <laughs> first of all, I mean, I didn't tell anybody. I just literally disappeared. Like, I missed a whole month of school. <laughs> I like that though. I like that. I like that. That's 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 a good move. Yeah, yeah. you weren't trying to. Was, go. All, I don't know. Let's watch. All they knew stuff. was I was going to LA. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. all they knew. Nothing more. And then I just I made my way. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I was strategic with how I made my way onto the screen, but yeah, I made for sure, my way. For sure. You got you got on camera. <laughs> made my way onto the screen. Nice and. Everybody was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. how it all happened. So nobody knew ahead of time that this was happening. Because wow. I would have been bugging you. I'm a bet man. You can bet, like, which songs Beyonce's going to play. I would have been like, yo, Arnetta, let me know. Is this <laughs> the crazy thing is, it was actually, it was actually very complicated because I was at risk of failing, flunking out of college because my teachers were like, um, if you miss more than – three days of class, you're going to fail. So I was just like, I have a very huge performance <laughs> opportunity right now. Well, and so they were like, the class today, but I'm performing with Beyonce. At yeah. the I wish I could have went see, in front know, of a hundred million people. I could have went into detail, but I wasn't going to do that. I was just like, look, 
I'm at this music school for a music career, you know, of course, to enhance my plan, but to network and enhance my music career. Um, so, you know, I had some teachers that were like, you're here for school and not for gigs. And I was like, actually, no, no. Yeah. It's almost like if you were playing basketball still and you had the opportunity to go pro and they were like, nah, you need to be in class. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's weird because it's <laughs> I completely understand it because at the end of the day, you know, I still graduated. I'm not silly. I understand, you, you know, having mm. my degree. Um, but I definitely wasn't about to drop that gig. So no, what I ended up no. doing was dropping classes. And I went to the head of my... Uh, department at Berkeley and I was like look I have a situation can I drop <laughs> these classes and just do online he heard me out and was like you got it we're gonna switch all your classes to online <laughs> so and the crazy thing is um it's, it's honestly crazy I even that doesn't even happen. When I got done the Super Bowl gig, we all know how historical that was. It was Super Bowl 50, and it was the 50th year of the Black Panther Party. Um, when I got back to school, uh, I felt like a lot of the teachers hated me. And I, yeah, a lot of the, it was a lot of white teachers. They didn't like me. Like I had an online teacher. I told you I missed a month of school. I had the teacher fail me for a test that happened before I was even in the class. How? Mm-hmm. How, how, how? So I was going through stuff like that. I had teachers telling me, you got to write. Your paper has to be longer since you missed more. I was like, why am I being punished? <laughs> right. Because you, cause, cause you, 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 you did something they can never do. Yes. It was just kind of crazy. But, you know, I still did what I had to do to pass you know with a good GPA um so uh at the end of the day yeah did the Super Bowl graduated from college on the same same time frame I was in rehearsals during break doing tests and writing papers like you gotta do what you gotta do but I got it done you know bravo 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 Well, it's, it's it's 2020. This has obviously been, you know, probably going to end up being the most impactful year of all of our lives. Um, and, and things have been crazy. I know you have, uh, I believe that's Brianna Taylor on your T-shirt. Um, yes. Yes. Sure is. Um, I, I've seen on your yes. Instagram, I've seen, like, you've gotten involved in activism and, and you know, you've tied that in with your music. And, I, and I'm curious if that's something that was always a part of you or if 2020 and the events of this past year have really brought that out in you. Um, I mean, as a, as a black person, it's always been a part of me. It, I've had no choice, especially as a musician. You know, I always tell people, um, music is a part of, you know, being a, being a musician, being an artist, that's a form of activism in itself, you know, because we're always telling mm-hmm. a message of some sort, whether you like it or not. Right. So, Absolutely. You're an activist to something. Um, mm-hmm. So what I will say is I was uh, in my community. We have phenomenal community leaders uh, in Camden and uh, that have, you know, been trying to progress things in the city. So I've learned to be more vocal about things, especially with, you know, performing with people like Beyonce and working with people like Tia Fuller who are, you know, unapologetically spreading their messages. I mean, we could look mm. at Coachella from 2018. Mm. Good Phenomenal. Phenomenal. 
Phenomenal. <laughs> so like being a part of that was just wow. And then um, you know, being under the mentorship of uh Tia Fuller and another person being under the mentorship of uh Jill Scott, these are people that do not bite their tongue. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. You know, so it's it's almost it would be disrespectful of me to to have the nerve to keep my mouth sealed, you know. Right. Um, but if anything, you know, as I get older, I'm only 26, so I'm definitely learning as as the times go by. Um, I started studying like civics and things like that, and you know, I started started studying, you know, what makes somebody a Democrat, what makes somebody a Republican, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you know it just it just opens your eyes up to a lot of things because you know I, I really want the best for my community, so I have to know, you know, what's going on. Have to know certain terms and things like that. So, mm-hmm. how do you, how do, how are you feeling right now about what happened about the verdict? Oh man, I, when I tell you, I was ready to knock everything over. It was mm-hmm. like I was. It was it was sad because I wasn't too shocked, but I was just furious. Because they still had the nerve. I said, y'all still had the nerve to make us wait all these months and days and then try to... It's the propaganda, to be honest, that I don't like. Uh, You know, we all know it's the Breonna Taylor case. But the verdict today wasn't based around Breonna Taylor at all. That's that's the part that, that blew my mind. I was just like, wow. Uh, this dude is, you know, being convicted for about shooting a, a wall. matter right yeah, there, for, for shooting. And this is about to sound crazy, but he was, he's being convicted for missing. Yeah. That's, yeah. and it just sounds like, it's like, yo, he's, right. he missed. That's why, right. that's why, because he missed. It's like, yo, that's wild. So, you know, as a black female, who was all I'm also 26. She was 26. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is wild to me because, you know, I put up a post. Hey, have the cops ever came to your door before? <laughs> Out right. of nowhere? Right. Yes. Multiple times mm-hmm. over here. It has happened. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and in that case, of course, it was a slightly different scenario. But still, it was just like the fact that they were completely dismissed. Like, her murder wasn't even part of the discussion that really boggles my mind um it's traumatizing yeah it is it is you know it makes you fucking it makes you fucking sick if i mean like me speaking personally like it just makes me like i i feel sick to my stomach you know what i mean like i feel sick yeah i mean it's it's scary um i i to this day i have yet to go to sleep without thinking Yo, what if the cops just bust up in here? Right. Because you right. know, people say you know, watch who you hang out with, watch who you're around. But I mean, even in that case, we've seen situations where people were totally, totally, completely innocent. Like there's nothing you can say, and stuff happens. So it's like, it's just wild. It's like on top of the craziness that happens in the streets. It's like now you had the police involved, doing. You had those certain police that are corrupt doing things you know so it's just wild um it's definitely traumatizing uh but look i just tell people look do what you gotta do yeah do what you the people down louisville do what you gotta do 
That's yeah. that's all I say about that. Do what y'all gotta do. However they react, go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a complete slap in the face. It's just like really. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah I was yeah. It, it's just wild to me. So it's that gets me to another point. Um, you know, we have to do our own research. Like that's one thing I loved about artists from back in the day. They didn't just play, just a doodle. Like they were very aware of what was going on. People like John Coltrane, they they just not oblivious to what was going on. Writing songs mm-hmm. like Alabama for the poor mm-hmm. little girls that died yeah. in church bombing. I'm like, yeah. y'all, yeah. this is what music is about. You know, yeah. it's cool. Is that something songs. that's is that something that's inspiring you now for 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 music for the future and beyond? Oh, absolutely. You know, I always write songs with a purpose. Now I don't I I say that with the same thing to say nothing against you know people were putting out songs to simply enjoy yourself like that's a part of life too simply enjoy mm-hmm. yourself like mm-hmm. sometimes we just want to let loose and just uh and just go because just go with it mm-hmm. and dance and just say whatever but you know we can't ignore what's going on at the same time right. so you know you have to again back to what we said at the start you got to understand whether you like it or not there is a message that you're putting out mm-hmm you're always yeah. an activist. For what? I don't know. It's whatever right. you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you, just you call yourself the disruptor of jazz, I've read. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe I've read incorrectly. Um, but if you do call yourself that, why? What's uh, what's behind uh, the disruptor of jazz? Disruptive jazz. Um, people have this notion that jazz is supposed to sound a, per- a certain way. Um <laughs> There's a trumpet player uh, that I highly admire named Nicholas Payton, and he preaches what's called Black American music because that is a thing, and people need to acknowledge it for what it's for. Black American music is completely progressive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, I mean, I always tell people, where y'all think hip-hop just didn't just appear out of nowhere, like, like it came from something. Like, you know, bebop didn't appear from out of nowhere. These things are like constantly developing. So it's like when you have, when people try to shove back into the, the jazz category, I mean, if that's your thing, cool. It's not necessarily mine. Um, it's like I'm disrupting your term. You know, disruptive mm. jazz. It's like, all right, you want, since you want to call it jazz, I'm going to disrupt it. Nice. I'm gonna do my own thing <laughs> of what it is, whether you like it or not. You yeah. know. So yeah. What's yeah. it like? What's it like being a band leader at 26? Because you are the head of <laughs> of yeah. Sunny. Ooh, it's a it's 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 a task, you know. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm. You know, it's it's humbling to have gotten to this position to lead a band. Mm-hmm. Cause I, at first, I was always cool with just being in the back. Like, I, mm-hmm. I remember the days where I was like, I don't want to lead a band. Just put me mm-hmm. in the back. Mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, I'll just play my parts. But then I got to the point where I was like, you know what? It would be cool to play my own music. So it's like, right now, it's, it's, it's bittersweet because it's like, uh, I'm playing my own music. But at the same time, I got to tell myself, don't be so critical because, you know, this, this, is, this, is, my, this is my music. Right, so I'm gonna, right, I would right. sound good at all times. And <laughs> I have this huge dream for it, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like constantly fighting the odds of, right. of the industry 
you know, there aren't a lot of black female instrumentalists trying to take this route I'm taking. There aren't For a sure. lot of in instrumentalists, period, trying to take this uh, industry route that I'm uh, trying to go. So it's like, although it's like I 100% believe in myself, and then day I can't act like I'm still not convincing people to believe in me as well and to invest in me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, there's still that small factor somewhere mm -hmm. in the corner back there. Right. Um, but yeah, it's dope, you know, having a team and working hard to get to the next level. Uh, and you know, I'm, you know, I still have a lot ahead of me, so nice. it's cool. I like playing my my own music. You know, it's dope and putting out my videos and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're not, we're not yeah. good for you. Good for you. Don't give us any audio. You ever hear those Buddy Rich tapes where he's screaming at his band members? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear any outtakes like that. Yeah. He's just screaming uh, and cussing at people. Do you do you do you do you do you find people like James Brown? Like you were twenty minutes late, fifty dollars. Uh, look, <laughs> I, you, gotta, you know what? You you y'all gotta come to a to a uh, art dinner rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm down. That would yeah, be great, Philly, Philly Blunt exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> y'all got to start in rehearsal. It's, it's definitely an experience, um, even for myself, you know, because I'm still, I'm still learning as well um, from my bandmates. So yeah, yeah. It's definitely an experience. You know, I, I, I do get a little hot headed. <laughs> I want the best, not only yeah. for myself. That's what but they all say. All. Um, <laughs> they all say that. Yeah, you, yeah, you I want have the it. Best. And I really mean it, you know. I I could be passionate about uh, what I do. So, As if you, you haven't listened to those Buddy Rich tapes, just Google them. They are yeah, them Buddy Rich. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'm playing with a bunch of fucking clowns. I'm in time. What are you guys doing back there? <laughs> the good thing is, my band with my band, uh, we are friends. You know, so that's important. Right. So you know, we ultimately we're we're gonna have a great time on stage. Period. You know, yeah, you, you know, know what I they say. say: never go, never join a band with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his leg; he's back. Uh, Look, you, know, you gotta build. We gotta build relationships. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah gotta I'm build relationships. You know, because yeah. my thing is, we can all laugh with each other, but if we can't get through those moments where it's like, I gotta grill you, then we got a problem. Right. right you know, right. so right. you can't you can't have it one way. Yep. Yeah, you know, we gotta be, we have to be clear. You ready to uh, take it to the blunt? Let's yeah. go to the blunt. All right, so we're gonna do rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. Here you we go. You sound like Charlie Brown's teacher, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right, first up, uh, where's your favorite place you've traveled so far? Hmm. Dang, that's a hard question. <laughs> South Africa. Mm. What is your favorite sneaker? I'm looking at all the boxes behind yeah, right? you. Race, you got endorsements <laughs> or what? Jordan ones. Yes. Right. Very, yes that one. is that one. is the correct answer always. <laughs> are, are you an Indianapolis Colts fan? Yes. All day. Uh, what what song makes uh, what song makes you want to dance? Uh, Jill Scott, slowly, surely. Your your favorite cereal? Oh, Lucky Charms. Nice. Uh, one lesson I am still learning is blank. 
One lesson I am still learning is that to, that yesterday is okay. A fun fact that people don't know about Camden. A fun fact people don't know about Camden is we have these things called Panzerati's that are the bomb. Ooh, but love another thing. What another is that? Thing <laughs> one more thing. Is, that a, is it a food or a drink? It's a food. Okay, so okay. imagine imagine like a a, <laughs> a pizza roll, but huge. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm on board. That's all you got to say. <laughs> but a runner-up fun fact that people might not know about Camden, the first drive-in movie theater was right here in Camden. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Panzerati's like a little mini Stromboli deep fried, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, literally. Wow. That yeah. sounds it's, incredible. It's super good if you haven't had it. You got to get it. All right. All right. So in Philly, we hate Boston. So give us something annoying about Boston. <laughs> something racism? annoying about Boston? Yeah. Uh, I mean, aside from the other, like, ra- racism. Sweet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a Celtics fan. So, you We got to put that on the questionnaire before we book these guests. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Celtics fan. It's the sweep. This week, oh, you know, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Uh, who is uh, who is some uh, who's an artist that everybody that's maybe underrated that everybody should be listening to? Mickey Miller. Mm. Mickey Miller, yes, that is something everybody needs to check out. Okay. Yeah, she's she she wow, she's super killer. Uh, favorite genre or favorite I guess version of jazz there's bebop there's you know what I'm trying to say favorite oh, fact like he's all down with jazz like, uh, I'm such a jazz guy yeah <laughs> version of jazz uh, uh 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 I gotta say bebop bebop my camera front yeah like that's my go-to bebop Right. Yeah. Um, you go soup or salad? Soup. Where Where should we be going? Uh, where should we go in Camden to grab a bite to eat? It's a spot called Donkeys. Yeah. Ah, Donkeys cheesesteaks. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Spot called Donkeys out Parkside. Yep. Yeah. Okay. How many How many siblings do you have, and which one is your favorite? <laughs> I don't have a favorite, uh, but I'm the youngest of five. <laughs> you gotta have a favorite. Everyone has a favorite. I love my sister to death, but my brother is my favorite. <laughs> I, I, got, I, I don't know. I would probably say my oldest brother. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that the ones whose record you broke? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you were playing for the Boston Celtics and you were coming out from the starting lineup, what song would they play for you? Oh, they they will play they will play my song uh, up high. Nice. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I wrote I wrote that for anthems just for that moments like that. Look here. <laughs> or I the tiger. I ain't gonna lie, you know I'll get cheesy. I the tiger. <laughs> my go-to karaoke song. Look, I'll get I'll get cheesy with it. <laughs> All right, Arnetta, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah. Wish you all luck in the world with your career. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. It's the sound of Philadelphia. Yo, yo.
love, brothers covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs, the youth dreams cut short.